When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Harvey Norman One Thaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. It's hard to know what to say really. And my experiences of Shane was someone that absolutely loved the game of cricket. It was always a joy to be around. Gave so much energy to the sport. And Warney was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer. And his records will live on forever. Um, we all grew up watching Warney, idolising him. We all had posters on his wall, um, had his earrings. Um, we, we we love so much about Warney. Can't help but think of Boxing Day 2006 when you took your 700th wicket. Yep. What sticks most in your memory about that? That anticipation, the crowd building, um, the ovation I got when I walked out onto the ground, um, the delay of the 700th wicket of it not quite happening and then suddenly it happened. And the other thing about that it was it was so quiet. It was a bit eerie about how quiet it was because like I'd stand at the top of mark and normally you can hear you know someone hey, whatever they were saying and and when you're at the top of the mark it was suddenly a hush because they thought oh is this going to be the ball that's going to take the 700th and it was an eerie silence of 90,000 people. It was like pretty amazing. Uh, good morning, Gippsland. Shane Warne, 145 tests between the years 1992 to 2007. 708 wickets, if you don't mind. 293 wickets in the uh, one-day format. 301 first-class wickets. He averaged 17 with the bat uh, in test cricket. Took 125 catches. Took a test hat-trick, if you don't mind. The first cricketer, as you just heard, to reach 700 test wickets. Maybe the best captain Australia never had. <laughs> Maybe. Famed for his flipper, but you can add in the Zuta, the straight ball, the toppy, the backspinner. He came back in 2004 after 12 months off uh, due to that dietary pill dilemma and immediately took 26 wickets in three tests against Sri Lanka. No question, one of the best the game's ever seen and one of the best sports ever seen. Uh, rest in peace, Shane Warne. Good morning, Gippsland. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. Rob Popplestone here with Sam Watson. Hey, Swatter, how are you going? Good, thanks, Poppy. Obviously a somber note to start the show on, but it uh, yeah, certainly brings into perspective the effect he had on people not just in Victoria, but Australia and all over the world, really. Yeah, no question about that. I got a little beep on my phone just after 1 o'clock, I think it was, this morning, and, of course, Mrs Pop said, who's texting you at this time <laughs> of the morning? And I looked over and saw the news, and obviously I text you straight away because I knew the morning was going to change, uh, flip on its head. Yep. But, yeah, it is. It, it, it brings into perspective a lot of things. I just hope 
that uh, Shane is remembered and honoured for the genius he was. You know, already mm-hmm. I'm seeing the word larrikin thrown around, and yes, he may have been, but that was secondary to who he actually was and what he was revered for and what he was uh, respected for, and that was the great cricketer he was. And I think part of us loving him for how good he was was that he did have a bit of larrikin about him that made him one of us. Yep. There was one of us that just had a special skill. And yes, he had his hurdles, his peaks and troughs, and who doesn't? And I just hope the media doesn't do what the media does at times and try to scratch the surface and find reasons why we shouldn't like him, why we shouldn't love him, why we shouldn't honour what a great uh, contribution he's made to the game of cricket. I hope they just sort of focus on what's important to 99.9% of the population. Yeah, what are your favourite memories of, of Warney over his uh, illustrious career? Uh, look, no question that for, first ball to Gatting. Yep. I mean, that that is without question. I think if you think about sporting highlights, I mean, for him to do what he did with that ball on that day against the batsman that Gatting was, mm-hmm. and to see the look on Gatting's face as he walked off sort of bewildered and uh, worn absolutely ecstatic, that contrast, I think, was something to watch. And... I sort of had I had a couple of occasions where uh, Shane Warne and I met in my role as uh, a journalist in Adelaide, and I remember, geez, it would have been the mid nineties, I think, whenever South Australia won their last Sheffield Shield, and uh, there was uh, two bowlers, no wicket, they were nine wickets down, they needed gee fifty or sixty runs, and I reckon it was Peter McIntyre and Shane George could have been his name for the Redbacks, and I was actually sitting next to Warney at the time. He was eating two pies. So he had a pie right way up, and he had a tomato sauce on the top, and then he had a pie on top of that face down. And he was eating it like a sandwich. And I, I had a look at him, and I had a bit of a smirk. And anyway, we it started to get closer and closer, and they brought on a spin bowler, and I said to Warney, what would you be bowling now? And he said, you always bowl your best ball when you need the best result. And just little things like that probably meant nothing to him. Yeah. Uh, and then I uh, come across him again at the press conference when he sat with Mark Waugh to explain the controversy regarding, uh, you know, the comments for giving weather updates. Uh, that was the second time. And the third time is probably one of my most memorable. I happened to have a cricket bat signed by Sachin Tendulkar, who had made his way over to Adelaide. And I come across Shane Warne with his cricket bat. Uh, intentionally, I, I tracked him down. I said, Shane, do you mind signing this cricket bat? And he looked at the bat, Sachin Tendulkar, and he said, geez, you've done well to get that signature. I said, thanks, so I have. And he looked at it, and he was about to sign above Sachin Tendulkar. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. And he went below Sachin Tendulkar. Now, he didn't explain why he did that, but I'd like to think that that's the bloke he was. He had so much respect for the great cricketers that he put himself below Sachin rather than above him. It was only just a movement that I kept, that, that I saw. And that, to me... Those little things, to me, uh, means that I have respect for Shane Warne because I know that he had respect for the game. He, like most of us, uh, he who has not uh, sinned, don't cast the first (laughs) stone. Well, I'm definitely not going (laughs) to cast the first stone. I'm going to admire the guy for what I've seen, both off in the field Mm. uh, and in those little little occasions where our paths did cross. Yeah, he he was a, um, a superstar. In, in every sense of the word, really, when it comes to cricket. But I think there were still uh, characteristics about him that, that made him out to be a, a humble person, which he, which yeah. he was. And uh, he caught that Mike Gatting ball that you that you referenced there. He called, he called that a fluke <laughs> quite often. And I think the thing that a lot of people... Um, that hasn't been mentioned too much this morning, but every time a, 
didn't matter if you're Australian or Sri Lankan, Pakistani, English, he you'd see him help leg spin bowlers, give them advice yes. before the start of a test match. If if they wanted it, he was there to give it for them. So it just shows how much he wanted other people to succeed and how much he loved the game and yeah, what a what a just a legend in every sense of the word. A lot of elite sportsmen sometimes forget where they came from and don't have the time to give to those that would probably appreciate it most but I think and it probably took Shane a little bit of time too given the spotlight was so bright on him mm-hmm. but time and time again I think he grew into and understood who he was and how he was admired and he and he then freely gave his time as you said to those people that needed it most and we were talking off air with Pete uh, who's in the uh, studio at the moment about the the way he's uh, he gave to cricketing nations not just Australians but mm-hmm. cricketing nations who needed it most you know whether it was a tsunami where you know cricket grounds were wiped out and he gave whether it was a foundation he set up you know I, I heard with interest Boris Johnson apparently acknowledging him for the work he'd done with young cricketers in England now mm-hmm. they're the sort of things that go below the radar because well, it's, it's not controversial news. But they're the most important things, as far as I'm concerned, a sportsman can do when his time is finished. Yes, he deserved to be part of the headlines when he was dating the lovely Liz Hurley. Yep. And who of us didn't look at him and go, oh, you're my man, good on you, Warney. That's the Aussie spirit. You've got one of the glamours of all time on the back of a glamorous career. But below that, he was uh, he was your, your bloke next door. He mm. was uh, a bloke that, you know, played football for St Kilda. And we're going to be yeah. talking to one of St Kilda's greats after the break in Tim Memory. But he, you know, his his career, like most, could have gone in so many different directions. But he chose the right one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's certainly going to take us a, a long time to get over this one. But for now, we can just have a look at his, some of his best highlights and. Remember him for the legend that he was, really. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen the Amazon series about mm-hmm. Shane Warne that came out just a few months ago, but I think that will sort of fast-track a lot of people getting to know him a little bit more and getting to admire him a little bit more. Not that uh, not many of us don't already. Anyway, we're listening, I should say, to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track. 91.3 in southwest Gippsland and 91.9 in Latrobe Valley. You can also listen live in the SEN app and at sen.com.au and you can catch up with every single interview uh, on our podcasts as well. We're here outside the South Gippsland Sentinel Times. We're doing it for Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, a local store for computers and electrical. They're really great guys down there. They'll look after you. Free click and collect. Look, it's a sad morning, uh, but it's a morning that we should celebrate the life of one of sporting's greats as we prepare to talk to some of the current greats of sport who made their way starting off in Gippsland. Well, it's a song that St Kilda fans would probably want to hear more during the course of a season. They seem to be warming up. They seem to be heading in the right direction. And uh, we thought it appropriate that we catch up with one of Gippsland's best ever players, now playing with the Saints after some time with the Sydney Swans. And I speak of Tim Membry, who joins us this morning. Hey, Tim, how are you going? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Yeah, going okay. Going okay. I said to Swatter a few times that every so often I see you at your old man's house across the road from my parents in uh, Terrelgan. Ask how you're going. I think you enjoyed the break, but I reckon you'd just about be ready to get back into the real stuff soon. Yeah, definitely. Now it's always good to get home and spend a bit of time with the family. Um, don't often get to see them too much when the season cranks up. But, um, yeah, like you said, it, it certainly feels like a long time now, so I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. 
Yeah, well, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Tim's old man, Mallon, or Chris, he's a, he's a great bloke, great footballer, great cricketer, great sportsman. But I reckon even Tim would have his limits as to how much he can put up with Mellon <laughs> during the course of a break. He's an absolute cracker. And from all reports, he doesn't mind saying that he has a fair input before games uh, down there in the rooms as well, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the big fella. He likes to, um, <laughs> likes to come and get around all the boys. And all the boys love him now. So, um, But, yeah, nah. Um, he likes to tell me too that he was pretty handy back in the day. Uh, I can I can ensure uh, you he was more than pretty handy. He was very very good. Uh, what about yourself? You've uh, obviously settled down now into the Saints. The Saints are, are promised a bit over the last few years, but you get the feeling they're getting closer to where they want to be. Yeah, I think um, you know the last few years the expectations obviously been really high, and, and certainly um, you know at times it's, we've put it on ourselves because we expect a lot from ourselves. Um, and I'm sure that's probably what's frustrated our fans a lot. But um, I just feel like this year we've got a new strength and conditioning coach in, in Nick Walsh, um, and he's you know got us in really good condition. So uh, hopefully tonight we can show a little bit more um, of what we're going to bring uh, this season. Um, before we get too much into the upcoming season, Tim, we'll go back to before you made the AFL, where you kept, uh, we grew up in Traugan playing for... Trogan, then Captain Gippsland Power. You, you ended up losing by a point in the TAC Cup Grand Final, which is the best result that Gippsland Power's had yeah. since then. Uh, how, how do you look back on your time at, at Gippy Power and that season in particular? Oh, it was, yeah, it was obviously a great two years I spent um, in the under 18s. Uh, we had a really um, close and connected group, um, but there was only, I think, myself and Nick Graham and then Will Hams, who were, um, ended up on AFL list in that side, but um, which was surprising because we had such a close and you know we played a good brand of footy. Um, but yeah, to to go down uh, in that golden point, um, I play with Jack Billings, who was actually uh, with Oakley at the time, and he certainly reminds me every now and then about that game. But um, yeah, it, it was um, it was really good and. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy my time and, and it's one of the great pathways to, you know, make it into the AFL is the, the TAC Cup. And you were drafted to Sydney with pick 46 later that year. What what was your initial reaction when you found out you were making the move to Sydney? Um, oh, I was obviously excited. You know, it's every, it's every um, boy's dream to be drafted to an AFL club. Um, and, you know, for me to, to go into state, um, it was a little bit of a shock knowing that I uh, wasn't going to see much uh, of my friends and family. But I think when I got up there and I settled in, you know, the Swans are such a great club and have such a great culture. And, you know, I really um, am grateful for my time up there. And I, I certainly learned a lot about, um, you know, the game and certainly about myself as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I was super excited and, you know, I was grateful for the opportunity they gave me. I remember watching you run out on that particular day and not knowing you who you were at the time, but knowing that you're you know a member of the Membry family, wondering how you're going to find a position with the likes of Buddy Franklin and Kurt Tippett in the side at the time. And I hadn't seen you play, but when I saw you play, I thought, wow, uh, you know, you, you give your all, you presented so well, and it's hard when you're third stringer in a side like that. But coming to the Saints, you, you seem to have taken ownership of of uh, whatever position you're given and you, you look like you're just loving every game, every opportunity you get. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Obviously, when I was Sydney, I was amongst uh, some of the greats that have ever played the game in, in Goods and, and Franklin. And goods, um, yeah, Goods, so, of course, too, yeah. 
Yeah, so it was pretty pretty tough to crack into that forward line, but um, I guess coming back to St Kilda and you know playing alongside Nick Rewalt for a couple of years there, he certainly t- taught me a lot. Um, you know, just purely about what it takes to really play consistent footy in the AFL and just the work rate side of things. So, um, but yeah, I, I think now um, it's weird. I'm, I'm 27, nearly 28, and you could say I'm probably one of the oldest in the team, which um, you know. Doesn't sit well with me at two times, knowing that it's not too far away and I'll be 30 and uh, coming to an end. But, um, you know, I'm just enjoying my footy at the moment. Um, I'm looking, you know, um, forward to this year and I love playing alongside the younger guys that are coming up and just, you know, sharing little bits and pieces that I've learned along the way. And, Tim, while you're at Sydney, is it true Buddy Franklin thought your name was Paul Moore? Yes, that is uh, a, a very true story. So on our on our on our lockers, um, we have obviously our name above our locker, and then our player sponsor above that. Um, and I walked into the locker rooms one day, and um, you know I said good day to the boys or whatever. And Buddy, I think, turned to Dane Rampy and said, "Buddy, that um, Moore is a good bloke, isn't he?" And I was like, and then Rampy was like, "Who?" He's like, "Paul Moore, number one." He's like, it's Tim Membry. He thought my name was Paul Moore because of the sponsor. <laughs> so he thought your name was Paul Moore, sponsored by Tim Membry, did he? <laughs> yeah. So, so now, now every time when we play the Swans and I'm lining up for a goal, I can just hear Big Bud from the forward line going, Moore. <laughs> uh, absolute cracker. Hey, listen, what's a, what's a, what's a pre-season been like this year in comparison to previous years? You said you've got a conditioning coach there that's doing some good work uh, how, how do you think that may have helped oh it, it's helped a lot I think last year um, you know it was more I guess onus uh, on the plays you know we really wanted to get the balls out early and, and you know we knew that one of our um, letdowns last year was our oh, sorry, two years ago was our skills um, and we just really wanted to hone in on that and, um, you know, get the balls out early in November, December and work on our kicking and handballing and all um, of our, you know, crucial skills. But um, And I think we probably went a little bit too far the other way with that. And now this year we've got Walsh in who's done, you know, such a great job and just getting the balance right with, you know, training mm-hmm. with the balls, but also when it's time to work, you know, the balls go away and we just have them, you know, long days, uh, running laps that no one really enjoys but um, you know at the end of the day when you can run out games comfortably um, you know you certainly look back at those and are grateful for those big sessions Now Poppy we haven't had too many guests on Saturdays in Gippsland that have made it on ESPN Sports Centre in right. America but, but Tim has with one of his 223 goals that yes. he did a you'd call a bicycle kick against Port Adelaide do you, do you think that's the best goal of your career despite the uh, kind of uh, lackluster reaction to it, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it was it was a weird one because obviously I was playing over there against Port and um, on Tom Jonas, who's you know a very good defender, and I don't I honestly couldn't tell you what I was thinking. I just knew that he had me in a really good position to spoil the ball, so I just thought the only way I can get a boot on this is if I try and just throw my leg up at the footy and somehow it hits it. And my initial reaction was, yeah, he's just spoiled the ball across the line. But I did feel the ball hit me foot, but I just thought maybe it happened at the same time. Then I looked at the replay and I was like, oh, hang on, that's come off his fist onto me boot. So that's a goal. So I was pretty, uh, pretty happy with that one. 
Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, let's hope there's plenty more goals. So what about uh, the Cats tonight, isn't it? So uh, uh, The Bombers. The Bombers tonight. Bomb so how are you thinking about uh, how does this game sort of lead you into the season? What are you hoping to get out of this, this particular game? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, we played Carlton last Thursday. Um, we've reviewed that game and um, we got a lot of things right and we also, you know, did a lot of things that, you know, we weren't uh, too happy with. So I guess we just look at those things that we've spoken about during the week, um, you know, and, and purely it's just winning the ball, um, you know, at the contest. Um, we thought our spread from stoppage um, and around the ground was good last week, but um, there wasn't too many times where we actually won the ball at the cold face. So um, that'll be something that we'll be working on tonight. Um, it's just winning that ball. Uh, and then going forward, um, you know, it's another good opportunity for you know, us balls to work together, get our leading patterns um, right, and you know, hopefully we can you know, put some scoreboard pressure on early, which is something that we lacked a little bit in that first quarter last week. Yeah, looking forward yep. to seeing what happens tonight and uh, as the season unfolds. So, well, I guess it'd be remiss of us not to mention one of St Kilda's famous fans in Shane Warne, who tragically passed away overnight. Spent some time down St Kilda as a footballer as well. Did your paths ever cross him? Yeah, um, you know, I've spent, a, I guess, a little bit of time with Warney and, and going out for dinner and, um, you know, just seeing him around the club. Uh, obviously, devastating news this morning and, um, you know, I woke up and, you know, looked at my phone. It was the first thing I've seen and, oh, yeah, couldn't believe it. I still am in a little bit of shock um, that the message has gone out, you know, to all the players and staff saying that um, we're on him in the, in the right way um, and the club will put out a statement that, yeah, it's uh, very sad news to see. You know, one of the great cricketers of all time, and, and obviously a big Saints fan, um, pass away. Yeah, it is very sad to uh, hear the passing of warning, and I'm sure the Saints will do a great job yeah. honouring him when it comes to round one against the Pies. Just before we let you go, Tim, Leo Connolly, another Gippsland boy's been going very well early in his career at, at the Saints. What have you made of his pre-season and his preparations for the 2022 season? Yeah, Leo is, you know, another one of those players that uh, he's, he's someone that we really need, I guess, in terms of our, our foot skills. He's really smooth mover, off half-back, um, can kick the footy, you know, both sides of his body. Um, and he's put in another great pre-season. Um, you know, his work rate has gone to a new level now. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Leo um, progress this year. I'm certainly... Um, reckon that he can have a big impact, um, you know, just purely with his um, skills this year. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how it all progresses. Yeah, as we are too. Hey, Tim, thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time of the year as you start to build towards round one. Mate, all the best tonight and all the best for 2022. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate that. Good on you, mate. Thanks. No, we appreciate it more. Well done, Tim. Tim Memory there, the... Son of a famous father. <laughs> Mallon will probably be listening. Uh, his lovely mother, Sue, and he's got a, they've got a great family and uh, he comes from good stock. There's no question about that. And, you know, as, as much as at 27 he's worrying about the end of his career, he's still got a handful of years that he's going to be a great contributor for the Saints. And, you know, fingers it's, crossed, the Saints start to uh, rattle that top eight. He's a big chance to be a part of their next premiership side if they can get things uh, clicking on all cylinders. It's, a, it's, it's, it's funny this time of year, we're all hopeful, aren't we? Whatever side you barrack for, you're hopeful that you can find yourself in the spot to make another run at a premiership uh, opportunity. But to do that, you need to be part of the top eight. And ideally, you need to be top, part of the top four. And I reckon there's about ten sides that 
are good enough, but you need a bit of luck. You need a lot of hard work, and you just need things clicking when they need to click. And uh, it looks as though they've taken a next step, or it sounds as though they've taken a next step. We hope so. Yeah, we do. Tim Embry, our special guest from the Saints, uh, who themselves are going to be honouring the passing of one of their greatest uh, fans in Shane Warne during the uh, course of 2022, I'm sure. We'll be back talking more sport here on Saturdays in Gippsland in a few moments' time. Warney was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer, and his records will live on forever. Um, we all grew up watching Warney, idolising him. We all had posters on his wall, um, had his earrings. Um, we, we, we love so much about Warney. Um, you know, his showmanship, his charisma, his tactics, the way he, he just willed himself and the team around him to win games for Australia. And probably above all else, his incredible skill as a leg spinner. Uh, there's so many guys in this team and squad who, uh, you know, still hold him as a hero, their all-time favourite player. And the loss that we're all trying to wrap our heads around is huge. Um, it's been a really tough day, a couple of days for Australian cricket after the passing of Rod. We just wish you know, the best to both families, especially Shane's parents and his kids. The game was never the same after Warney emerged and the game will never be the same after his passing. Rest in peace, King. Yeah, there you go. Pat Cummins there paying tribute to the great man Shane Warne. And he probably made mention of something that we've sort of glossed over, and that is the passing of another great in Rod Marsh. Yep. You know, the uh, bold lily caught Marsh uh, uh, phrase sort of lived on for a couple of decades. And Marshy, who tragically also passed away from a heart attack just mm. a few days ago, has sort of been pushed to the side with no disrespect to the passing of Shane Warne overnight. Did, but, uh, did you see there was a horse running at uh, Newcastle yesterday, Marshall Lilly? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, it was it, paying, it was started at $160, I think, and came into 61 or um, ended up getting beaten by 20 lengths. Yeah. We <laughs> well, I tell you what, there was a, a big money plunge uh, in the days of Lilly and Marsh once in an Ashes series, and that particular plunge did come off. Mm. So uh, all he's not lost is some great stories in cricket. And the main reason there's great stories in cricket is because cricketers are great storytellers. They've got the ability to uh, spend a lot of time with each other. You know, sometimes sitting in the stands next to each other for five and six hours a day over a four and five day period. And then, you know, in the uh, days between test matches, spending more time together, they've got this ability to tell great stories where most other sportsmen haven't got that I'd say that privilege of spending time with each other. You know, good sides are usually close sides and I reckon the Australian cricket side has been one of those great sides over the years that have managed to be friends off the, uh, off the field and great fierce competitors on the field built on that friendship. So as Pat Cummins pays tribute to Shane Warne, we also should honour the uh, passing of another great in Rod Marsh. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. It's Rob Popplestone. It's Sam Watson. After the break, we're going to be chatting to a star that grew up in Yarram, played his time with the Blues, mm-hmm. and Jed Lamb will be catching us in just a few moments' time. We are the Navy Blues. We are the old dark Navy Blues. We're the team that never lets you down. We're the only team, old Carlton Bulls. 
Geez, I went in a bit early there. I'm not used to that Carlton song playing too many times, especially in the opening round, because uh, being a Richmond supporter, I actually had a bet, I reckon about seven years ago, it was a case of Cooper's Sparkling Ale mm-hmm. against a friend of mine in South Australia called Claire Duthie, and I said, you know what, I bet you a case that Richmond beat Carlton. Anyway, we've been doubling up every game they've played in about seven years, and I reckon she owes me the Dan Murphy's chain at the moment. <laughs> That's how uh, that run has been going on a long time. A bloke that uh, spent some time at Carlton. Uh, grew up in Yarram, actually, and that's the reason we're speaking with uh, Jed Lamb is that we like to focus in on those that have made a contribution to sport and, you know, in a capacity well better than average, and Jed's one of those, and he joins us this morning. Hey, Jed, how are you going? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Yeah, going all right, going all right. We actually just had a chat with Tim Embry before the break, and during the course of that break, uh, Sam made the point that maybe you would have spent some time with Tim Membry up at the Swans. I did, mate. Yeah, Tim actually lived with me for a year and a half. Um, wow. When he first moved up there. Also knew, knew him a fair bit to uh, the power ranks as well. So, yeah, he's a good man, Timmy. He actually gave me a couple of home job tattoos on my foot. <laughs> How'd they come up? Uh, terrible. <laughs> Uh, uh, very good. Well, you've got to practice on someone, don't you? That's it, mate. You do. Hey, what, did he, what did he end up doing on your foot? What was it? Uh, I just have a few initials. Um, I've got Gary Rowan's name on my foot and uh, Timmy Membry and one of his mates I'd met that day. Um, it wasn't a great idea, but it was good at the time. <laughs> oh, that's an absolute that, classic. Uh, that foot will hopefully be kicking a few goals for Warrigal this year, Poppy. Yeah. Jed, how, how excited are you to be making the move uh, to the Gippsland League? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been, um, the last couple of years I played up in Bendigo, and it's, it was a good couple of years. The travel was just killing me, so it would be nice to be closer to home. Um, obviously, a Gippsland boy, so it would be good to get back and hopefully a few more family and friends can come and support and, um, yeah, looking forward to having a big year with the girls. They've obviously um, haven't been up the top of the ladder the last few years, but hopefully with the players that have come across, we can have a pretty solid year. Speaking of family, Jed, I, I believe you're one of eight children. Is that right? Correct, mate. Yeah, five sisters, and, and two what? brothers. Oh, wow. So, so did, you, did you practice centre bounces in, in the backyard <laughs> or Ruckman <laughs> each side and the three on ballers each? Uh, we actually did. Most of my sisters actually played um, footy with me growing up during um, coming through the ranks. Um, but yeah, we always had a footy and stuff. We grew up on a big horse farm, so always in gumboots in the outside playing footy or whatnot. So they're good memories. There you go. And how, how tough was it to leave the uh, Lamb clan behind and, and make the move to Sydney when, when you were drafted there? Um, yeah, it was very hard. I think I've told this story a fair few times. But the night I got drafted, I actually... I got told I was going either to Hawthorne or Sydney, um, pick 19 or pick 21. And then when I got picked to Sydney, I actually left the pub um, where I was at the time and went home and I was really upset. Mum chased me home and I said, I'm not leaving the family, but um, I'm glad I bloody did to be honest. It was nice to get away from for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It probably would have been easier to get a feed uh, amongst 18 footballers than it was eight of the uh, Lamb Clan. It's uh, it, she's a busy little household, uh, Jed. But how did you go? You, you know, your first year from Sydney because you're coming from a big family, obviously a close family. Uh, moving into state, some find it easier than others. Yeah, definitely. Especially coming from a small country town where there's only one set of pedestrian lights. All of a sudden, <laughs> I think I got drafted. I had five days to pack up and stuff and move to Sydney. Um, it was a 
a bit confronting at first. I really struggled at first. I remember a couple of times I come home when we had fires, um, and I went to a couple of the, this local games. I ended up one time having to call John Longmire, um, tell him I wasn't coming back. I was that upset. Um, but he just, yeah, he at the time I was really close with Reece Shaw. He was my mentor, so he had to sort of arrange for me to come back and organise me to go around to his house with him and John Longmire and organise and sort of put a thing in place to know when I could come home to the family and stuff. So early days I struggled a fair bit, but once I sort of settled in, I loved up there. It was a good lifestyle and yeah, it was actually nice to sort of get away from the family for a bit. And after 12 games in, in two years at, at the Swans, you made the move to GWS. What was the main motivation behind that? Um, well, I played, yeah, as you said, I played 12 games and at the time the Swans were really competitive. Um, so I was playing reasonable footy in a really good side and um, they'd offered me a couple of extra years at the start of the year, um, but I sort of just said I'd hold it off and see what happened because um, sort of the contract and money they offered was pretty much what I was on at the time anyway. Um, and then it got towards the end of the year, or the end of the year, sorry, and I was back home in Yarram, and there was a lot of media speculation around Buddy Franklin, Franklin signing with the Giants, and then all of a sudden I got a call from my manager saying he'd just signed at the Swans for 10 years, and I said, well, there you go, he's taken my contract, that's why they're offering me peanuts. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, a couple of days, couple of days later, the Giants um, contacted my manager with a really, really good contract, it was contract too good to knock back to be honest um, yeah at the time um, probably just saw the dollar sign to be honest um, it's probably one of the I don't regret it but if I could go back I'd probably stay at the Swans to be honest um, but it is what it is um, you live and you learn and yeah that's probably the main factor and what, what was it like to be a part of a club in its infancy at, at GWS uh, for those two years that you were there Jed yeah it's probably the hardest thing I went from obviously Going from the Swans to such rich culture, really old club, to the Giants obviously being really new. And when I first started there, I remember we were actually, they were doing the facilities at the time. We were doing ice baths in um, like rubbish bins and stuff. And it just, at times, just felt like you were sort of playing local footy. Um, and no disregard to the leaders at the Giants, Callum Ward, Phil Davis, and all the other guys that turned to great players and great leaders, but at the time they were really young. I was going from players like Ryan O'Keefe, Adam Gould, Jude Bolton to such a young group, which was a bit different, but um, I enjoyed my two years there. Like I said, I don't regret it, um, but it is what it is. And you, then after yeah. that, obviously, you went to, the, went to Carlton, who uh, one of the most famous clubs, rich in history, uh, and, yeah, spent, spent some time there. Had to take us through that experience. Yeah, so um, Stephen Silvani actually got me from the Swans to come to the Giants. And in my start of my second year, he left and went to, uh, went to Carlton. Um, at the time, I was playing really good footy, but I was just stuck in the twos at the Giants. Um, and Stephen Silvani contacted my manager um, and just let him know that if things didn't go to plan, he'd look at trying to get a trade. And I'd had some pretty open and honest conversations with Leon Cameron in my second year at the Giants. Um, and we were on the same page just about if things didn't go my way, he would, he would help um, me look. And, yeah, it turned out I ended up getting to Carlton, um, which was a massive change. I was going from playing in front of a couple of hundred people in the um, Giants twos to my first game of Carlton on a Thursday night, which was in front of 95,000, which was wow. unbelievable. So, yeah, it was just crazy just to go from such a sort of new club to then, obviously, Carlton, one of the biggest and oldest clubs in, in history. So, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. 
And you uh, made a pretty instant impact kicking kicking a goal with your first kick in a Blues jumper, Jed. I did, yeah, I remember. I remember I had a really dirty moustache at the time. I don't know what I was thinking, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but unbelievable. unbelievable. The yeah. such, a, such a big crowd. The atmosphere was unbelievable. You know, uh, over the journey, uh, with such a close family, I reckon your uh, seven brothers and sisters would have bought beanies and scarves. Maybe some would have bought jumpers when you went to the Sydney Swans. They obviously had to upgrade to GWS colours. They then changed to Carlton. You're costing your family a fortune, and now you're at Warrigal. Nah, mate, they were just looking for hand-me-downs, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez, so, so take us through. You've you obviously started the pre-season with Warrigal. How the, how the goal's looking? Yeah, we're looking good. As I said earlier, we picked up a few handy um, players. Um, yep. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really competitive league. But um, they've got a good coach in Dean Elgar. Um, some really good young kids coming through that are playing power also. So, um, yeah, like it's a competitive league. I'm not too sure. Um, hopefully we'll be at the top of the ladder. But um, there's some handy players running around. Obviously, you want Faggy, you have Blairy coaching. So that'll be a well-structured side. Um, but, yeah, it kicks off in a few weeks, which is really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And Jed, just before we let you go, our, our panel op, Steve, who's a mad blues fan, played played the blues song and we touched on them there for a bit. How do you think uh, they'll go this season after watching them on uh, Thursday night? Uh, it's pretty hard not to get excited at the same time. You've got to try and keep a lid on that because it sort of happens every year. You sort of expect big things and it hasn't happened the last few years. But I'm really, really confident. I reckon they'll sort of make finals this year and... Um, be hard to beat, I reckon, with the players yeah. they've got in. And, um, good to see Cripper and a few of the guns get back to their best. But it's early days, but um, I think I heard a few of them mention that it's just nice to, to get a win, no matter if it's a pre-season game or not. You get a bit of confidence out of it. So hopefully they take that into round one and give the Tigers a, um, a pump and yeah, yeah, no, it. Uh, I mean, that won't happen. But hopefully, round two, <laughs> they they start they start off with a win. Hey, mate, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we really uh, appreciate it. We wish you good luck with Warrigal this year in Gippsland Latrobe, and hopefully, our paths will cross again. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me good, on. Good on you, Jed. Jed Lamb, there, uh, a player that was, grew up in Yarram, made his way, as you heard, to the Swans, and then moved to GWS before spending some seasons. I think played forty plus games at uh, Carlton, and now. Mm. With Warrigal this year in 2022. 44 games at the Blues, 26 goals. And, yeah, he'll be coached by Dean Algar at Warrigal, who coached my club, Kilcunda Bass, to a premiership in 2013. Okay. Coached us the year after where we were just knocked out in the uh, prelim final to Phillip Island. And he's a, he's a great coach. So he should be able to do some great things for Warrigal, who haven't had the greatest success over the past couple of years, like Jed mentioned. But... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tight one in the yeah. Gippsland League. Well, uh, talk about going to Warrigal. Uh, tell you what, Bo Vernon's comments a couple of weeks ago about uh, Bass being a stronger competition than Gippsland Trobe set some tongues wagging the, around the Gippsland. Gippy, yeah. yeah, West Gippy uh, being a, a, a much stronger competition than Gippsland Latrobe uh, set some tails, tongues wagging and I reckon there's going to be some tums, uh, tongues wagging. Jeez, I'm having trouble saying tongues wagging, getting my tongue around that saying tongues wagging. Uh, he's going to be talking about some AFL season predictions. Also have his uh, view on the passing of Shane Warne and loads more to talk about as well. Quick catch up with Brad Evans, the CEO of the Sale Turf Club. They're preparing for one of the biggest days of racing in the year, as Sam says, we got to go for a break in the background. So we'll do that. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. We're around the batsman. Here we go. Fleming took the last one. Merv Hughes before him. Yes! Oh, oh Sam, it's a 
moment in his career. What a catch by David Boone. You won't see many better catches at forward short leg than that one. The Aussies are all around, and have a look at that. Fleming alongside Warren there, the last two to take a hat-trick for Australia. Unbelievable there, Shane Warren taking a, a rare hat-trick in Test cricket as we uh, honour the passing of one of the greatest sportsmen that Australia, maybe even the world's ever seen. Probably the greatest handful of cricketers ever to play the game. Oh, sure. I mean, Don, five, you, sure. You, you think Don Bradman is mm -hmm. up there. And then if you talk about the top five, maybe Sachin Tendulkar, yeah. Shane Warne. I mean, he's an elite company, no matter oh, who, you, uh, who you follow in cricket. We've got loads more sport to talk about after this break, and we'll be coming back speaking with Bo Vernon. He'll be having his say on Shane Warne AFL season predictions as well. Harvey Norman One Thaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. So I began imitating Kim Pitt on those matting pitches. My early deliveries were often double bounces. Double bounces and full tosses. You name it. But I stuck at it. And I got pretty good at it. He's done it. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Oh, and that's out. Caught behind. Yes, he's got it. First ball. Shane Warne. Yes! Oh, he's got it. Yes, he's got it. It's a hat-trick. Yes, he's got it. He's got it. It's a hat-trick. That's a hat-trick to Shane Warne. A great moment in his career. The history of cricket means so much to me. The history and especially the characters. Lily. Chappelle. Good shot from Chappell. Rod Marsh. Bill. Richie Benno. He's able to position his hands in exactly the right <laughs> What was Richie thinking with those lamb chop sideburns? Straight out of Thunderbirds. Uh, bit of bounce there. I love those guys. Absolutely love them. We were young boys in Australia playing backyard cricket, having the time of our lives. We'd turn the commentary on the telly right up and race out into the backyard. You'd hear Bill Laurie roar, it's all happening here at the MCG. And you'd let that tennis ball fly with the extra bit of effort. Those guys in World Series changed cricket forever. And now it's our turn to revolutionise the game, to take Fox cricket to another level, and not just by Australian standards. People say I live a soap opera life. Well, I don't know about that. I think I'm very lucky and I'm very thankful for my life to play it in such a great period of Australian cricket. The 
The friends I've made, Chris Martin of Coldplay, who's one of my best friends, Ed Sheeran, Mick Jagger. Here's the thing, I've never changed. People think because you're engaged to Elizabeth Hurley, you're backstage with Chris Martin, they think you're going to be different. I'm not. I'm exactly the same as the kid who went to Waverley with his brother to watch a game of cricket way back in 1978. And I always will be. Shane Warne, born 13th of September 1969, passing overnight at the age of 52. 145 tests in a period that spanned 1992 to 2007, taking 700 and eight wickets. We've listened to some of the highlights. We've listened to some of the accolades from some mm. of those that have been most passionate about the game and Shane Warne. And you heard from the man himself and why he was so revered because he was who he was through the highs and through the lows. Mm. Uh, he didn't really change too much. He uh, <laughs> didn't mind speaking out. He didn't mind remaining humble. He didn't mind mixing it with the very elite. But he didn't mind having a ciggy and a beer with a bloke in the front bar of a pub as well. And I think that's why we all loved him as a player and why we all loved him as a bloke that we could relate to ourselves. Yeah, it uh, still doesn't quite feel real yet. Poppy, does it? It's amazing. I reckon that people, uh, and, you know, cricket isn't my first passion, but uh, I think it's one of those passings that people will remember what they were doing or the mm. day that they heard the news. And for most of us, and our Facebook feeds are full of... Uh, shock posts about his passing and you know it sort of makes it brings home just if it can happen to Shane Warne at 52 and we're all closing in or just past that age you know you've got to appreciate every single day and we say it and sometimes we don't live it but that sort of brings home that we're all heading in the same direction (laughs) we're all going to get there at different times Warney's beaten a few and he comes after a a couple of greats as well. And as we acknowledge the passing of Shane Warren, we also acknowledge the passing of Rodney Marsh just a couple of days prior. And uh, yeah, how, how many how many times... You know, I, I heard a lot of people say in, this morning that whenever Shane Warren got the ball and, and the game was on the line, they, they felt safe. Was, uh, how many times did him and McGrath get Australia out of, out of trouble late, late in matches? It, there's not many players that you can look at and just put your full faith into that they'll get the job done and he was certainly one of those yeah you know when leg spin was unfashionable he made it sexy and Mm -hmm. fun and exciting and as much as we all remember him for his flipper Mm -hmm. i'm not even sure what a zooter was but he loved it as did his uh, straight ball his toppy his backspinner you never knew what was going to come out of his hand you didn't often know what was going to come out of his mouth but Mm. you always knew he was going to give a hundred percent to the green and gold. And he, uh, he didn't hold back in the commentary box, as you mentioned there. How, how good was it to see him kind of towards the end of his playing days play for the Melbourne Stars and give that insight to the commentators that, as he was playing the game, literally commentating how he was going to get batsmen like Brendan McCullum out and doing it 10 seconds later. Look, he, he was just an incredible bloke. He had an incredible amount of self-confidence and the champs of any sport, the champs of business, are very confident in their abilities. They understand what they need to do to get the result they want. And Warney was one of those. You know, he he he, he wasn't... a he, Yes, he was a larrikin, but beyond that larrikin skin was a lot of homework, a lot of hard work, a lot of understanding of what it took to, to perform at the elite level, and he did it. And I'd heard Crash Craddock on our um, Shane Warne tribute show with Andy Marr and Simon O'Donnell this morning talking about how when he interviewed Shane Warne... Uh, 
maybe in front of a crowd or at a sportsman's night or something like that, he'd ask him beforehand what topics are off limits and there, were ne- there was never anything off limits for Warney and that was just how he lived his life to the fullest, not holding back whatsoever. Even in that tribute, now he openly acknowledges, hey, listen, I understand that you may think that because I'm engaged to Liz Hurley mm-hmm. that you, I'm behind uh, the stage with uh, Coldplay and Chris Martin uh, that I could be different. <laughs> nah, nah, mate. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm your bloke that uh, smokes a ciggy. I'm your bloke that loves a beer. Um, and I can mix it with all people, and that's what makes good people. So to Shane Warren, we say thank you. Uh, to his friends and family, we say condolences. But a celebration of a life uh, is probably what we all should be doing because he gave so much to us. It'll be our chance to, uh, to give something back, and we're doing that this morning on SEN. We'll be taking a short break in just a moment, coming back and uh, changing direction as we talk to the CEO of the Sale Turf Club in Brad Evans. He's a passionate sports person. I'm sure he'll have his say on both cricket, and he'll be also excited about what the Sale Turf Club have got coming up in April. Good Friday, in fact, a pretty special day. And then Bo Vernon will join us to close off the show. He'll have his say in Shane Warne. He'll have his say in juniors in footy and how to get more people playing. And also predictions in AFL. I tell you what, there's a lot of people predicting a lot of clubs to make the top eight. I, I re- predicted 11 a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I reckon there's going to be a few disappointed clubs. We'll talk more about that with Bo Vernon. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland, and it's all thanks to Harvey Norman Wampaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. They're really terrific people. If you're looking for a computer or anything electrical, then go and see the guys at Harvey Norman Wampaggy and the girls. They've got free click and collect available now. We'll be talking more sport after this break. It's hard to know what to say, really, and... My experiences of Shane was someone that absolutely loved the game of cricket. was always a joy to be around. Gave so much energy to the sport. And, and obviously, as a kid growing up, was a massive idol of mine. Someone he wanted to emulate. Uh, the way he could win a game on his own, his, his skill level is incredible. But um, to have the opportunity to, to spend some time with him, get to know him a little bit, um, albeit not a lot, you know, it's, it's deeply saddening to, to hear the news this morning. Uh, Joe Root there from the English cricket side paying tribute to the great man Shane Warne as so many have. Uh, also earlier caught up with Tim Embry and also Jed Lamb who this year will be making his debut for the Warrigal Football Club in Gippsland Latrobe. We talk sport here on Saturdays in Gippsland. You're listening to us on SEN Track 91.3 Southwest Gippsland or 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson talking sport as we turn our attention to racing, thoroughbred racing, and introduce the CEO of the Sale Turf Club, Brad Evans. Hey, Brad, how are you going? G'day, Rob. How are you, mate? Yeah, going really well. Uh, I guess before we talk thoroughbred racing, we should get your thoughts on when you found out about the news of Shane Warne. I know you're a passionate sportsman yourself. Yeah, it was uh, mind-numbing, um, you know, and to lose Rodney Marsh as well uh, virtually the same day. It's... Uh, very sad for Australian cricket and uh, two legends of the game, no doubt. And uh, yeah, it was a big shock when uh, I, I saw it come through on uh, on the news feeds at about uh, two o'clock this morning. I was still up. Yeah, I can imagine. I know what you're like. He's as passionate a bloke about sport as you'll ever see and hear, Sam. Uh, you've got an exciting time coming up for the Sale Turf Club. You're always pretty busy anyway, but uh, Good Friday sort of is honing in as a day that could be something special on the racing calendar. Well, we certainly hope so, Rob. It's uh, it's a great honour to uh, be given the responsibility of, of holding the inaugural Good Friday race meeting for Victoria um, and to bring it to Gippsland and, and to have it at the Sale Turf Club is uh, 
is just fantastic. We're very excited about it. We're looking forward to it. And uh, it really is starting to gain momentum only about five weeks away. How many people are you expecting to uh, make the trip to sale, Brad? Sam, <laughs> that's a good question. We haven't been uh, blessed with the best of luck weather-wise at our last three or four meetings, but all going well with the weather. We, we hope 4,000 or more. Um, we're looking forward to building the day around a, a number of platforms uh, that include the, the Royal Children's Hospital Appeal, uh, family and community getting together, uh, tourism and, and hospitality coming to the middle of everywhere, as is the catch cry, and come to the races on Good Friday and, and stay in Gippsland for the weekend. Uh, we'll be we'll be busing people in from all the tourist areas uh, from as far east as Lakes Entrance and down into the valley and down into the south so that everybody gets an opportunity to get there safely and get home safely and, and enjoy the day. But there's... You know, it's a special day. We're creating a bit of history and a bit of tradition that other clubs will build on. It's a, it's a moving event, so we will only have it for, for this year. Um, but being the first, we've got a chance to sort of put our stamp on it as a club and, and do the best for the industry and, and for ourselves and for Gippsland and, and in turn then uh, present it on to the next club to continue the tradition. Yeah, there's no question the uh, Sail Turf Club's respected for the uh, for the meetings they put on. And as you say, geez whiz, uh, Brad, she's been a tough couple of years, hasn't it? Oh, it's been horrible. I've been at the club, uh, I'm into my fifth year now, Rob, and uh, I've seen a lot. We've had uh, a drought, a crippling drought. We've had floods. We've had uh, COVID, of course, and, and, and indeed bushfires and... I think that's one of the reasons that the event is coming to Gippsland is to acknowledge how how challenging it's been for, for the area. Not that it hasn't been for other parts of the state, but Gippsland certainly copped uh, more than their fair share. And so bringing this event to Gippsland is a chance for, for hospitality and, and tourism to, to get a bit of a boost uh, on the back of the event with people staying for the, for the entire weekend, we hope. Uh, and enjoying the day. Um, we've certainly got a, a wonderful track and facility uh, there at, at Sale, and, and uh, it's going to host uh, the race, and I'm sure it'll do uh, everyone proud. You know, of all those things you mentioned, uh, I reckon the tipping point for me when there was a tsunami warming, warning, I thought, you know, I threw down my pen and said, come on, give us a break. I mean, all we're missing is locusts. I mean, it's, it's, it's been absolutely incredible. But as you say, you've got a good team together uh, there with Kathleen uh, working hard and uh, yourself driving the club. Uh, you've got some big races on the day too. It's not just a meeting that's on a Good Friday, there's there's every reason for the participants to want to be involved as well. Oh, without doubt, we're going to see uh, some of the, the, the better horses in the state uh, coming to us. Uh, we race for $1.4 million over the, over the course of the day, with the feature being the Country Discovery, uh, which is a $500,000, $1,100 sprint race, open, open sprint. Uh, there's... Uh, $450,000 races and uh, $300,000 races so it's a spectacular racing card which uh, we're just delighted to be able to, to have at our track and, and again another reason why uh, we've got the event is that our, our track's uh, well respected as one of the, the best tracks in, 
Victoria and, and our big long straight and spacious surrounds gives uh, every horse its chance to win. So there's some races happening uh, in, the, in the next few weeks that uh, actually are uh, heats or, or additions of, of the races that will final at the, at the meeting on Good Friday. So uh, horses actually have to qualify um, to get into some of those races. They're also, the industry's been terrific in being creative around what sort of races they offer and, and a couple of the races are for smaller training uh, organisations, so it's not just all for the big boys uh, and the big stables with uh, hundreds of horses. It, you've got to have a, a small boutique stable or, or restricted to a certain number of wins in their career or starts in their, their career. So we hope that the, the locals certainly get engaged, I'm sure they will. Um, and we had some local uh, runners and, and hopefully winners, but also some of the smaller stables around the state getting a chance at the magnificent purse that it is on the day. Um, yeah. well, would it be fair to say that's probably the richest race day the Sale Turf Club's ever had in its history? I mean, that sort of money's incredible. Well, without question, Rob. Uh, yeah. Our Sale Cup is, is our major race of the season in October every year and it's for two hundred thousand dollars it's a listed race for two hundred thousand which is a really strong race and it's always oh, yeah. a terrific uh terrific event um but this uh just trumps it uh on in all directions and yeah that's why we hope that we we generate a really good crowd we've got uh endless numbers of uh, options for people to um, engage with. You get onto the Country Racing website and follow all the prompts through to our race meeting and you'll see all of the different hospitality packages that are available uh, and includes marquees, both corporate, private and, uh, and large groups. Uh, we've got uh, dining in our function room, we've got dining in our grandstand, um, we've got music across the course including the famous Micka Harrington. Um, we've got uh, a kid zone with rides and the petting zoo and Kelly Sports to keep uh, in mind that we want to see families there as well. Um, it's going to be a, an inclusive family um, picnic uh, party atmosphere uh, outside with uh, more formal dining inside. Lots of people from the industry, uh, politicians and the like descending on the course as well and they'll be accommodated accordingly and then if it's just a really nice day you can enjoy the lawn uh yeah. and everything that's happening around uh the course there'll be bars food trucks uh, all sorts of things happening it's going to be a, a colossus meeting for us and uh, a lot of organization and effort going in there with my team including the track team who are working extremely hard to get the course in uh, a1 condition yeah, no, definitely looking forward to it. And from experience, I can let all of our listeners know that uh, you won't be let down if you make the effort to get there. It's a, it's a beautiful course. It's a beautiful track. And uh, the people there put on a terrific show. But this is an opportunity to be part of something special. History in the making. Good Friday meeting. Big dollars on offer. As you heard, the biggest dollars uh, of all time offered as far as prize money is concerned. And people love to be where people are. And I can absolutely guarantee you that there's going to be Plenty of people there in Good Friday. But we're only a month away. So uh, they they really should pencil that date in the diary. Certainly, Rob, we, uh, we are excited and looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a terrific afternoon. We, we are actually also being respectful to those that want to acknowledge the 
the Christian views of the day with a later starting time, so people get plenty of opportunity to do those things in the morning and then and then make their way to the club in the afternoon, whether that be on a bus or car or caravan or however you want to get there, and then kick on and have a great day or a great weekend in Gippsland for the Easter break. Yeah, good on you, Brad. Thanks for your time, mate. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Good on you, Rob. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Good Rob. on you. Brad Evans, the CEO of the Sale Turf Club, a really special race meeting. Good Friday. It's going to be something pretty special, as you heard. Big races, uh, big party, uh, big picnic meeting, big family meeting. And don't forget, after you finish the day at the Sale Turf Club, to shoot up the road to where I work at the Sale Greyhound Club and continue having a good day because we'll look after you on a good Friday as well and we're racing every Sunday twilight as well. If uh, if I wasn't playing footy the next day on Phillip Island, I'd probably make the trek over. But you don't need to have a drink, Sam. Just go down there. Yeah, but I've got to be I've got to be in pristine condition <laughs> for for the game against the island. Hey, how how's your side looking? How, yeah, how are you going? Tracking tracking nicely. Um, Lee Rowe, our coach, has got us firing on. All cylinders heading yeah. heading up to Melbourne for a practice match today. So obviously I can't get there because I'm playing cricket, but I'm very excited to see how they go. Yeah, and um, yeah, hopefully just keep building towards round one where we'll be playing Turden. Yeah, I've been talking about a mid Gippsland footy netball mm-hmm. league over the last couple of weeks, the last few days actually. There's a bit happening because all of a sudden, you know, it's snuck up on us, isn't it? We're yeah. less than a few weeks away. I mean, the AFL season starts Wednesday week. You know, with, with the Melbourne and uh, Bulldogs game. The uh, the crowd that was at the practice match between Melbourne and Carlton on Thursday night, I reckon we're in for some huge crowds this AFL season. Well, you know our AFL tipping at the Sale Greyhound Club, first prize is two corporate tickets to the AFL Grand Final. Mm. Because we haven't had a Grand Final there at the MCG for a couple of years, and I reckon we haven't seen footy in what we've become used to over a century in the last two years either. People are desperate to get out and see it. Yep. Yeah, so, and I know that's sort of uh, filtered way down to your league, to the Mid-Gippsland League, North Gippsland, Gippsland Latrobe. There's a lot of excitement in communities about getting back out and supporting your local footy side, and we'll definitely be uh, encouraging you to do that and letting you know uh, how each and every league and club is going. Saturdays in Gippsland. Jeez, I'm getting so exciting, I'm starting to pop in my mic. Pop, pop. Oh, there I go again. Uh, it's uh, Rob Popplestone, considering uh, uh, think, talking about Pops. And Sam Watson, talking sport as we do every Saturday morning. It's Saturdays in Gippsland. We'll give you a breather. We'll have a breather. And we'll be back with Bo Vernon. We're here at the MCG, lots yep. of good memories of course, but I can't help but think of Boxing Day 2006 when you took your 700th wicket. Yep. What sticks most in your memory about that? That anticipation, the crowd building, um, the ovation I got when I walked out onto the ground, um, the delay of the 700th wicket of it not quite happening and then suddenly it happened. And the other thing about that was it was so quiet. It was a bit eerie about how quiet it was because like I'd stand at the top of mark and normally you can hear you know someone hey, whatever they were saying and and when you're at the top of the mark it was suddenly a hush because they thought oh is this going to be the ball that's going to take the 700th and it was an eerie silence of 90,000 people. It was like pretty amazing. Got him! There it is! Wicket number seven! 
his box traps. But uh, now the atmosphere, the energy and everything that was here that day um, was something very special. Well, there it is. Boxing Day 2006. Shane Warne takes his 700th test wicket for Australia. And uh, yeah, in front of 90,000 people, he couldn't have asked for it to be done any better way, I would have thought, Poppy. Uh, he's been an amazing contributor to the game, and I know that we've sort of gone on over the last mm. two hours uh, acknowledging the great work he's done, but why not? Yeah. You know, why, why wouldn't you? He's one of probably the top five sportsmen, or cricketers in the world, and one of the top sportsmen this country's ever seen. Probably never going to see another athlete like SK Warne. Um, and... Yeah, it's for a reason like that that I just got the message from the club president at Glenalvie in, in memory of Shane Warne. We'll be having a one-minute silence before all of our games today and uh, wearing black armbands and also for Rod Marsh as well. And isn't that uh, lovely the way it filters down to country clubs? Uh, Tim Membry, who we spoke with earlier in the program, uh, said that he'd been contacted by the club, as all of the players and uh, employees would have, to say that they'll be making an announcement about how they're going to acknowledge the great work at the great support of a uh, great St Kilda fan in Shane Warne. He'll be missed and uh, we we use the word athlete. Now, he is a great athlete because he got the best out of uh, his body. Uh, Athlete, I'm not sure that he could jump. I'm not sure that he could run. But wow, could he make a ball move? And we should also say that, you know, he spent some time uh, he wasn't a slouch when it came to football. I reckon, did he play reserves for yeah. St Kilda? Yeah. I'm not sure what his record was there. I'm but, not sure uh, how long he lasted. But. No, but uh, I mean, to, to even play a game at St Kilda, or even at reserves level, shows that you're an above, above average footballer. So, I mean, that was early days, but it shows you that he was a, a passionate sportsman, but he found his calling and he honed in on his ability, and that was to make a ball talk. And it talked pretty loud at times too. In fact, it talked so loud that it got the whole world talking during the course of his career. Shane Warne, we uh, we tip our hat to you. We tip our little uh, floppy cap, a little floppy cap to a, a great contributor to the game of footy. Another great man on a local stage, at least, is Bo Vernon. He coaches Phillip Island. He's won premierships at Lee and Gather. But more than that, I just love the way his uh, view on sport. He's sometimes left field, sometimes right field, but it's always pretty clear. And I speak of Bo Vernon, who'll be joining us after the break. Yeah, morning, Gippsland. Welcome along, as you heard, to Saturdays in Gippsland. You're listening to us, I hope, on either 91.3 Southwest Gippsland or 91.9 SEN Track, Latrobe Valley, Rob Popplestone or Poppy and Swatter. That's Sam Watson talking sport. During the course of the morning, we've caught up with Tim Membry as he prepares for tonight's game for the Saints against Essendon. We had a great chat to him, and uh, he had his thoughts on the passing of the great man Shane Warne, Jed Lamb. The uh, young Yarram recruit who found his way to Sydney and then GWS spent some years with Carlton and now playing with Warrigal in the Gippsland Latrobe. Not that that's a good league as far as Bo Vernon's consor- <laughs> no, concerned. Don't take his comments too far out of uh, context there, Poppy. <laughs> Bo Vernon joins us right now. Morning, Bo. How are you going? <laughs> good, Rob. Yeah, you stitched me up there. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I have not said that. I've not said that at all. So, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I saw a post that uh, I reckon Sammy must have put up about you and uh, your comparison between uh, the Gippsland, Gippsland League, League and, the West Gippsland. and the West Gippsland League, and it got some tongues wagging. I, hey, hey, you're honest. I, I like the way you approach your uh, views. You're honest, and uh, you see it. Uh, you call it as you see it. Uh, something a little bit different overnight, uh, Bo, because the passing of a great sporting legend. 
has different impacts and different people. How did you see it? Uh, did you have much uh, time oh, for well, Shane Warne and the way he played his game? Oh, oh, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I wasn't a, wasn't aware of it. I got a message off Sam this morning and uh, hadn't hadn't been on social media or turned on the news or anything like that. Then yeah, it hits you pretty hard. It's amazing when yeah someone is yeah you looked at and watched and your whole life. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It's a pretty surreal feeling right now and this morning. So, well, I'm I'm not the biggest cricket lover. Um, yeah, I love all sports, but never really played too much, too much cricket over my journey. But yeah, Warney was one that drew you in and and made you want to watch because of his charisma and his uh, who he was as a person. I think he he could stuff up and do anything wrong that he wanted, but everyone still loved him because he he was him and. He uh, is a fair larrikin and, and lad and um, said it how it was and probably had an infectious smile and infectious personality that made, made everyone feel feel great. So, yeah, it was, um, it's devastating news and yeah, it makes you go far out. You know, you just never know when your time, time's up and to make the most of now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, who... We've heard lots of people say this morning about how Warren was a childhood hero for them. Who, who were your some of uh, who were some of your childhood heroes in in sport growing up, Bo? Yeah, well, I suppose mostly mostly footy footy players. Um, Richmond supporter, so uh, yeah, love say you know uh, Matty Richardson and Wayne Campbell. Um, yeah, James Heard really love. Uh, yeah, and then the NBA, I, I love my basketball, so um, didn't get to watch a heap of NBA, but, yeah, love, say, watching some highlights and of Michael Jordan and, and Charles Barkley. I had a post of him on my wall when I was youngster and, and stuff like that. So uh, that was probably a few, a few of mine. I reckon uh, Michael Jordan and Shane Warne would have gone on very well with uh, with their off-field behaviour and obviously their ability to do some amazing things on the court and on the cricket field. We were I, re- I reckon, deep. I reckon, uh, as teammates, I don't know if Warney would have suited uh, Jordan's char- character. He would have been wanting Warney to pull his head in a little bit, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, probably, but like Dennis Rodman, if you can do your job, he might have just, uh, he might have just let him do his thing. Um, we're going to get into your AFL, AFL predictions this season, Bo. So... We'll start with your team, the Tigers. Where do you where do you think they're going to finish uh, in, in on the ladder this this year? Oh, I find Richmond one of the toughest teams to sort of sort of rate because I think as a, as a list we're nowhere near as good as you know the likes of Melbourne and and Doggies and and I think even when you win premierships you're over you know the players in your side are overrated. I just think Richmond being a phenomenal team rather than you know, the list that we're yeah. the list that we've had. So they're a tough one tough one to rate, but I would think that would bounce back a little bit this year. Uh, probably can't see us matching it with some of those best sides, but um, I would think somewhere between yeah, maybe fourth to eighth or second to eighth or something like that maybe. And, uh, we saw... and you never know what can happen, though. Or, you know, I'm reasonably optimistic at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never, never say never. They could uh, win their fourth in five. Uh, yeah, it would be five years, wouldn't it? Um, six years. 
Yeah, Something fourth like in that. six years. When you yeah. win so many premierships, yeah. you tend to forget how many years it's been over. Uh, what it, we saw, we saw the Blues have a good win against the reigning premiers on Thursday night. What about them, Bo? How do you think the Blues will go in twenty twenty two? Yeah. Um, oh, it's hard reading preseason form, isn't it? I remember watching um, Brisbane. I reckon went back when it was. They used to have a like preseason cup or whatever it was, um, NAB Cup or something, and um, Brisbane won it. And then they went on to win the wooden spoon. So mm. um, I reckon Carlton might have done the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the thing about um, Carlton that rate very highly about them is, you know, they've got Weedering in the back line, they've got Cripps in the middle, and they've got McKay down forward. Now they're pretty good bookends, and um, it's just how their how their next group come on. And um, I still probably think that they'll be. Yeah, they'll miss out on top eight, personally. Um, it's all the blue bagger fans. I hope they miss out on the top eight as well. I was <laughs> uh, <laughs> ripping a few mates there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just, just confirm there. Yeah, Carlton did win the preseason tournament in uh, 2005. It was probably yeah. called the Wizard Cup back then and ended up winning the Wooden Spoon. So really? hopefully for Blues fans, they don't do it again this year. But who are you, who are you yeah. expecting to drop out of the top eight? Because... We usually see two or three change, or one or two changes every year. Yeah. Oh, far out. Um, I've been a big fan of Robbie Gray and Travis Boak and Port Adelaide, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to tip tip Port Adelaide. I think to to maybe slide Ooh. a little bit this season. Oh. Okay. You know what we've been talking about uh, the last couple of weeks. So, so I'll, I'll run through the sides quickly and just say yes, possibility of top eight or no, and we'll just work out how many teams we we, we think are going to be in the top eight. So if I go St Kilda, <laughs> if I go, so Richmond, we say yes, top eight. Yeah. What about yep. GWS, Bo? GWS. For oh, I'm going to say yes to fifteen teams here. Um, <laughs> GWS. Oh. Yeah, young bucks so good. Last, I'm going to say yes. All right, Melbourne. I think we have to say yes for Melbourne, yes. don't we? Yeah, you'd have to say Melbourne and doggies. Yeah. Reckon, yeah. St Kilda. We spoke with Tim Membry, and he feels as though they're ready to go. But are they are they good enough to force their way into a finals spot? Uh, I'd say no. No, Collingwood. No. Sam Sam will be saying yes to Collingwood. I'm no. I'm, hope, I'm hoping no. What do you think? Um, no. I reckon. Geez, they've got the best coaching group going round though at Collingwood and um, you know playing Hawthorne in a pracky game what, last week they were running around with smiles on their faces and it's usually a great sign I reckon just people enjoying their enjoying their footy yep. uh, I'm going to have them yeah just out just out okay that, that's yeah. that, that's fine with me what about Fremantle Fremantle yeah again I'm going to probably say just just out West Coast, oh, uh, the reports are pretty good, though. Yeah, West Coast, the reports are they might slide right down. What are your thoughts? What are you, What are your thoughts on Darling? Is or what have we heard there? Is he is he going to be any chance to play or not? Uh, well, we've seen uh, we've seen some people backflip on it, but mm. a lot of like Kyrie Irving, Novak Djokovic, if, if he follows mm. a similar uh, yeah. thinking, he's probably. Yeah strong-minded like those two. We might not see him back on the footy field for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon without him, they uh, might struggle. I, I love what? 
Yeah. So if you look, if you build your forward line around, I'm not sure about Josh Kennedy um, going forward, but Darling, Oscar Allen, Liam Ryan, and Willie Rioli, one of if he can find the form that he was in back in 2018, um, it's pretty pretty potent forward line, I think. Yeah, uh, Sydney. Sydney, I'm going to have in the eight. Sydney in the eight, yeah, I like what I'm seeing so far. Gold Coast. Gold Coast, sorry. You'd have to, no offence, Gold Coast, but yeah, you're going to have to have them out. Bulldogs. Bulldogs in. Yeah. What about Essendon? Essendon in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree Essendon in as well. Hawthorne. Out. Yeah. What about North Melbourne? I don't can't see them <laughs> yeah. climbing up can't, so quickly. Yeah. No, I can't uh, see that just yet. Brisbane. You have to have yeah, I'm not there, sure how many teams I've got, but that'd be around seventh or eighth, I reckon. All right, Brisbane, that's okay. It's a, I reckon you're going to make the same mistake we all make. We we're going to. This is what the season's like. What about Geelong? They've just got too many quality players to yeah. not have in there. I reckon. So I reckon they'll be yeah seventh, eighth, better right, there with Brisbane as well. And we've got three sides left. We've got Adelaide, Port Adelaide, and Carlton. Is that Port Adelaide is sliding, sliding out? S- sliding out. To yeah, Adelaide yeah, I'm going to have and Carl- all, all them out. Yeah. yeah, all of those out. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You've done oh, it perfectly, Bo. Nicely done, Bo. So your top eight, Bo Vernon's top eight is... <laughs> well, in no specific order. No, no, in order. Richmond to be top. <laughs> I'm a Tiger fan like you, Bo. We've got no... <laughs> In the top eight, we've got Richmond, GWS, Melbourne, Sydney, Bulldogs, Essendon, Brisbane, and Geelong. Mm, could be on the money there. We'll take a photo we're of gonna, that. We're going to do this, and uh, we're going to see... They'll probably be the up. bottom, mate. That's how well I'll go with it. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get time to touch on uh, getting more numbers playing junior footy, Bo, but that is definitely something we'll chat to you about in the coming weeks. Um, what, what's on the radar? So, one thaggy Friday night, is that right? Uh, no, nah, that's still a couple of weeks off. Oh, a couple, a couple of weeks. weeks okay. yeah. 18th of March or so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Looks good. What do you got planned for this afternoon? Uh, my sister-in-law is um, moving back to, or going back to England um, tonight. So we're going to go have lunch with her today and then getting around the Cows Classic this afternoon. Uh, yep. um, so, yeah, Phillip Island Footy Club, Netball Club, um, and Surf Life Saving Club over at the island. Yeah, put on that event, so we'll go get around Go get around that. Good on you, mate. Thanks for that. And if you're in the island today or on the island today, make sure you get around it as well. Support your local club, wherever they might be. Hey, Bo, we'll catch up with you soon. Good on you, lads. Have a good, good one. Good on you, mate. Well done, Bo Vernon there, the coach of Phillip Island, uh, premiership coach already in Gippsland Latrobe uh, for St Kilda. Uh, for, um, for Gippsland Latrobe with Lee and Gather. How many premierships did he win there? Uh, one at Lee and Gather, two at Phillip Island. Wow. Going along very nicely. He is, yeah. He uh, he, see, he sees everything pretty clearly. I like the way he sees things. I really do. Hey, you're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. We talk sport and we talk about those that are making their way in the world of sport. No matter where they might be right now, it's where they come from and it's in Gippsland. That's where we are now in Wonthaggy. And we're doing it thanks to the guys at Harvey Norman Wonthaggy. Make sure you support those businesses that support sport in your area. And Harvey Norman Wonthaggy is one of those. A quick break. We'll be back to close off the show. Yes, welcome back to Saturdays in Gippsland. Uh, a sombre day for not just sporting fans, but Australians and, yeah. and cricket lovers all over the world with the passing of Shane Warne. But uh, 
I thought we've had a really good show, Poppy. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Not only have we acknowledged uh, respectfully the passing of Shane, but also those uh, sporting people who have made their way from Gippsland have had their say on how it affected them. And I speak of Tim Membry and Bo mm-hmm. Vernon and... Jed Lamb. Uh, Jed Lamb, Sa- the CEO. Brad yeah, Brad Evans uh, from the Sale Turf Club, who's looking forward to a big Friday uh, in Easter Friday. Mm-hmm. And, but, and yes, yeah, Shane Warne's family, we've just seen the news, Shane Warne's family has been offered a state funeral. So obviously that'll be... Massive when it does happen in probably a couple of weeks. Yeah, and the uh, ACB have uh, released a statement as well. Um, they've, uh, they've, uh, now, now that I want it, I've just lost it. But um, here we go. Cricket Australia released statement. Australian cricket, along with the whole cricketing world, is in a state of shock at the loss of Shane Warne, a true cricketing genius who has died age 52. Warne almost single-handedly reinvented the art of leg spin when he burst onto the international scene in the early 1900s. Over 700 test wickets, if you don't mind. His mm. career from 1992 to 2007. Uh, that's just a portion of the respectful AACB statement that's been released. And, yeah, don't forget, you can catch up with every interview that we've done today or any of our previous interviews or the full show wherever you get your podcast. Looking forward to next week. Good on you, mate. See you then. Have a good week.